Welcome to the One Strong Mama podcast, the no BS show that's not afraid to get real about all things pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and beyond. We're talking with visionaries who are challenging the status quo and changing the world one pregnancy and one birth at a time. I'm Lindsay McCoy, mama four, exercise physiologist, doula, and childbirth educator. My passion is making pregnancy, childbirth, and recovery better. And I'm also passionate about coconut LaCroix. And I'm Lauren O'Hayan, a mom of three girls, lover of all things tropical. I have never had coconut LaCroix, and I am known for my work with the core and pelvic floor. Can you remember the first time that you felt ashamed about something with your body? It can start so early. It just goes to show that we live in a culture that has one perception of beauty and we are inundated constantly with why we're not enough, why our bodies aren't enough. Pregnancy and postpartum is a time where our bodies are shifting dramatically. Jen talks about this being one of the key times where eating disorders can occur. Working with this population, it is so huge that we understand these patterns. We understand how to work with people in a way that doesn't make this worse. Can we be body neutral and also want some change? So Jen talks to us about all of this in a way that's really helpful for both our own personal growth, but also with working with the prenatal and postnatal population, a population that is very targeted and very preyed upon. And I think you guys will really enjoy this episode. So without further ado, here's the interview. Jennifer Campbell is the co-founder and visionary of Balance 365 Life, a fast growing nutrition and wellness coaching brand. Since 2014, Jennifer's been on a mission to help women free themselves from restrictive diets and body shame. Her greatest joy, apart from raising her three boys, is showing women in Balance 365 they can achieve their health and wellness goals in a balanced way that preserves their emotional health, happiness, and freedom. That sounds amazing. So Jen, do you go by Jen or Jennifer? Jen is fine. Okay. So I listened to a podcast uh, recently. I think it was about, it was one of your Balance 365 podcasts where you were being interviewed about your story and it was extremely touching and eye-opening. And I'm assuming that some of our listeners have not heard of you. So do you mind just touching upon your beginnings and telling us a bit about your background? Yeah. So we also have a podcast and after a hundred episodes or so, finally, we put my story out there. And I think it resonated with a lot of people because I don't think uh, my story is unique because I think a lot of women have the same lived experience of having a lot of pressure around their bodies from a very young age. And I think there's a lot of conditioning there around what we should look like throughout our lives in order to have value. So uh, my company origin story is really rooted in my experience of what I call uh, coming back to myself. And that was triggered by my entry into motherhood. And so like a lot of women, I really, I mean, I struggled with my body image my whole life and I just, I couldn't identify it then because it was normal, right? It was never, nobody was, people didn't, they didn't really talk about those things. It was just, it was very normalized to hate your body. There was nobody stopping and saying, wow, you know, you really have some severe body image issues. <laughs> I would have been <laughs> like, what do you mean? <laughs> So um, when I got pregnant with my son, uh, that was a nightmare for me, like to be putting on weight uh, that rapidly for nine months. I felt, it felt awful. It all, like, I just had this dread, right? There was, of course, there's a lot of praise when you're pregnant and a lot of women report that feeling like the most, the time in their life where they felt the most beautiful. And I truly think that's because of how we're treated while pregnant, you know, like there's just a real, 
um, people take care, people compliment you. It's just, it's that whole miracle of the world that you're, you're growing a human inside your belly. And, and it's the only uh, time it's acceptable to be, it's the only time to comment on a body. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, it's <laughs> also, it's also one of the only times in women's lives that they don't have to hold in their stomachs. Oh my gosh, for real. And so I, um, but I always had this feeling of dread and I always knew like postpartum would come and I was very, very concerned about my weight. And the other story we're told as girls, women, is that this can be a time in your life where we divide women down the line. There's the ones who let themselves go after they have children. Mm -hmm. And there are the ones who are applauded and praised for getting their body back. And I felt that. And I didn't want to be, <laughs> I didn't want to be one of the women who quote unquote, let themselves go. I felt a lot of anxiety around that. I heard people talking about it. I heard men talking about it, complaining about it. Those were my lived experiences. And that was all, you know, kind of inside of me. Essentially, I, I had my son and I mean, I was devastated. I was devastated at how I looked. And I should have been enjoying this really special time, my first baby. Um, but I was just devastated when I looked in the mirror and I saw all this loose skin, um, stretch marks all over my stomach. And that was back in 2009. And I think, Lindsay, I think you had your first baby around that time as well. And we have a lot available to us now, uh, you know, with social media and different movements to normalize the postpartum period. But in 2009, there was nothing. There was Heidi Klum on the runway at 10 weeks postpartum for the Victoria's Secret fashion show. Yes, exactly. And, and Maria was, Kang, who was like... Yes, totally. And that's like, it was just, it was, uh, it, was, it was awful. And that stuff would go viral around the world and people would be talking about it. And I also think in 2009, it was very common to be asked, how much, did, how much weight did you put on in pregnancy? And how much weight have you lost? Um, are you back to your pre, are you back to your pre baby weight yet? Like those questions were asked openly where I feel like today in 2020, it would be, um, I would, I would really give someone the side eye if they were asking me about my weight. So things have changed a lot, which is fantastic. But so back then I was in a really dark, really dark place. I remember I was on maternity leave and I spent hours a day looking through, um, like plastic surgery photos before and afters of, um, like tummy tucks and, and like, I, I honestly felt like I was ruined. Like I, I truly felt like just the scum of society. Like it, it just, I, I just, I was one of those women now that I had heard talked about. Um, and that of course it trickled over into everything in my life, how I could show up as a mother, the resentment I felt just of being a woman, of having to be the one that went through this to have this baby. It showed up in my marriage. It showed up in my jealousy towards other women. And I mean, I was in a really dark place and, um, and that just continued and it, it continued until I had my third child. Um, and in that time, I mean, just to say I felt awful would be one thing, but the, thing I, the things I was doing to my body in those years to lose weight was another, like just crazy, right? Like, you know, you guys are more on the healthcare side and you guys see um, women have babies, they have different injuries. And when you have an injury, you need to be as healthy as you can so you can heal. But we have all these women that need to heal, but are also trying to eat 1200 calories a day to lose the weight as quickly as possible. Their physical health is tanking, their mental health is tanking. Like it, it truly is a train wreck, the postpartum period when that comes into play. So um, for me in 2013, I was pregnant with my third and things had shifted for me a bit. And I, I was starting to wake up a bit to going, I don't have to hate myself. I can like love this body. Maybe that's where I was at. Maybe I can love this body. And I was contemplating that, <laughs> just thinking <laughs> about it. <laughs> but after I had my third son, I basically would say, I, I mean, you could call it a relapse back into negative body image and dieting behaviors. 
But the other thing is my dieting behaviors were so normal to me. I didn't even know a normal way to eat. So like it was just restriction was all I knew. Right. So even for me, I used, I called restriction healthy. Like for me, it was just a, it was like, well, this is healthy, isn't it? Right. Isn't this what we're told? Eat like this. That's healthy, isn't it? But for, it was restriction. So I was, um, maybe six, was I six weeks postpartum, four weeks postpartum? still really fresh. Um, it was a rough time in my life. My husband was in grad school. I was on my own with three kids pretty abruptly. And my third wasn't, uh, shall we say planned for that time of our life. <laughs> and so it just was a lot. So I had this moment where I was getting out of the shower. Um, the baby was sleeping. My older two were playing, jumped out of the shower, caught my reflection and you know i saw it all there it was four weeks postpartum naked body angry red stretch marks loose skin and i started saying all the things that women say to themselves when they see themselves naked head to toe everything was awful about me and as i was going through that i heard my boys start laughing from outside the bathroom and suddenly i was hit like a lightning bolt that what if they talked about themselves like this someday? And that thought just made me sink to my knees. Like I literally had to sit down on the edge of the tub to process that. And I was just in tears thinking I would, I would never, ever, ever want my children to feel this way about themselves. And I knew at that very moment that I needed to I needed to turn this around for them and I needed to become the mother they needed to learn to love and respect their bodies. That was my turning point. And um, from there, I, I kind of went on my own journey. I started building, I built a community of women and shared my story with them and started finding other women that wanted to be on that journey too. I founded my company. I've grown that company and we have a big, big program all around it now. And so it, it's really taken on a life of its own. And I feel like Balance 365 is now, it doesn't even belong to me. It belongs to our community and all the women doing this work with me. That's amazing. And of course, as you were speaking, I was like, oh God, I have a thousand questions now. <laughs> <laughs> and if I write them down, it'll make a lot of noise. <laughs> um, so that's so interesting. You know, my oldest daughter is, I have three daughters and um, my oldest is 13. And I will sometimes hear her say things like, oh, I'm so, my thighs are so big. Mm. Um, her body has changed so much with puberty and totally. she- yeah. And she's, you know, anyway, I won't talk about her publicly. It's rude, but she does definitely say, and it's interesting because in our home, I don't speak that way, but I heard in your podcast that you also said, you talked about your mom. She sound, sounds, sounded amazing. And mm -hmm. um, that she wasn't like, it didn't sound like from the podcast I listened to that she was perpetuating it. And I feel like I'm, I don't diet. We don't have scales in the house. I don't talk about my body in any way, but like how amazing and gorgeous it is. So, but she's picking it up. You can't not. And when mm. she talks that way, because, you know, and not only when she talks that way, but when our clients talk that way, our pregnant clients or a doula's clients, because our listeners are working in the birth community, is there a, what you say, like, what do you say in that moment to try to flip the switch as opposed to, no, that's stupid. You're not. There's got to be an intelligent way of helping someone to reframe that. Like, what do you do? What do you say? I mean, I would say something like, it sounds like you're in a lot of pain or it sounds like you're really scared. Um, and do you want to explore that? And I mean, but the person sitting in front of them has to have a really good hold, I think, on an understanding of what body image is, what health is. I mean, I mean, part of the problem in this industry is that it's the blind leading the blind. Mm -hmm. We've got personal trainers with horrific um, body image issues and disordered eating behaviors that are normalizing that to their clients. And so I think, I think that if, if you happen to be a practitioner, that's a doula or a midwife or a personal trainer or whoever's listening, if you have a 
if you don't have a good grasp on your own issues, then you should probably refer her to a therapist that specializes in body image issues. And, and honestly, where you find body image issues, you find eating issues. Like they, they go hand in hand. They're married. There is, there's, it's either you've got, you, you likely have a woman who is restricting and binging, um, sometimes binging and purging. And that also happens in pregnancy. Um, and it's just sort of this dark little secret that a lot of women carry. But like I, like I would say it's common, right? That, that especially the binging and restricting um, or even the over-exercising, you know, like just all these very disordered habits that actually have been normalized in our society. Um, so therapy, referring to a therapist is always a good idea, but I mean, it's okay to empathize and open the conversation. One of the things too is to say like, I mean, this whole root of this issue is people being terrified of being fat, right? When it's like, look, some people are fat and we can't go around the world reassuring people, you don't look fat, you're not fat when, well, maybe they are. But what does that say about people? What does that say to people in larger bodies when that's what we are trying to reassure others that they're not? And it's like, would you walk around saying, you know, don't worry, your eyes aren't that blue. Like it would just be crazy, <laughs> right? Or yeah. Absolutely. Or in a like, don't worry, your skin isn't that black. Like it's just, it's so, so harmful, yet it just rolls off our tongues. Um, and just you think of like, you know, back to your your child, Lauren, or or anyone's child. Like, I think I read the other day that the average girl puts on 60 pounds in puberty. And we have this whole, <laughs> you know, and depending on how you develop, some people um, get, you know, wider before they go taller, or, you know, that could just be their normal normal development. Um, there's a few times in life when girls are at a really high risk of developing eating disorder, and that is actually going through puberty, pregnancy, and postpartum, and menopause is when women are at the highest risk of developing an eating disorder. And those are three huge transitional times of our lives when our bodies are changing um, hormonally, right? Nothing, and then there's literally nothing that we can really do about that, but we try, right? We try and fight what is happening to us naturally, um, and which totally backfires on us. <laughs> um, but yeah, so really getting to the root of this, understanding the root of it for yourself, but like most people aren't ready to hear that. When they're just opening their mouth and saying like, I am just feeling sick about my weight gain. I mean, I think if you're ready to open that conversation, I would say, just try to empathize and say, you sound really scared. You sound really anxious. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting because we are also trained to respond with, no, you're not. We <laughs> are. Or Wait, we say something negative about ourselves, right? It's like a, oh, you, you think your boobs are too big. Well, I think mine are too small. Ha ha. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we, we do all, all that stuff just to try to make people feel Better. It's how we connect with each other as yes. well and how we're sort of socialized to connect with each other through like, you know, through commiserating about our bodies, yes. right? Yeah. For so, sure. yeah. Um, yeah. So don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Jen, my personal trainer the other day and I had a conversation about, he was shocked when I said that I am vehemently against before and afters mm. and that I don't allow them in my group. And that I really post about that regularly, about how toxic they are. And he didn't get it at first. And it took me a while. Is there a, is there a quick way to, because you said, you know, um, you might not want to open that conversation if you yourself aren't clear on it. So for the birth workers or the frontline people working with pregnant people, how do you describe why diet culture is so toxic and why... Yes, fat shaming is awful and um, all of that. But is there a way that if, like if your personal trainer was like, what's wrong with the before and after? How would you, how, what, what do you want the birth worker to know about diet culture? Well, first of all, the definition of diet culture is a society that values thinness over health. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so um, 
what do before and afters tell us about health, right? And then further to that, what is your definition of health? Because in our society that is obsessed with thin bodies, we have a very definite, we have a very narrow definition of health. In fact, you know, I shared when we first opened here that I used to think restriction was healthy, like dieting was healthy. Mm-hmm. Get being becoming as thin as I possibly could was healthy, even though my emotional and mental health was a wreck because of it, even though my eating habits were erratic, I was either restricting, 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 or I was diving headfirst into a tray of brownies, Mm -hmm. right? So we need to, as a society, we need to expand our definition of health. And do we want, you know, healthy whole women here, or do we want thin women? Like, what are we applauding here? So this is the same gym that I've actually written about in also about how they insisted on doing the in-body body scan on me, which I've, I don't own a scale. I don't weigh myself. I really, I have not had body issues and I avoid them by just not like, <laughs> maybe I do have body issues by not, like I avoid <laughs> everything related to scales and I try not to look in the mirror too closely. Like I just try to stay ignorant and happy that way, but they scanned me and I had a 27% body fat. I, I didn't want to know how much I weighed. And they were like, we need to get, we want, the goal is to get you down to 20%. And I was like, uh, dude, why? No right. way. Like, and what's then, the purpose? And then a month later, I went up to 29% body oh. fat. <laughs> that was probably like my inner self being like, you can fuck yourself. But, <laughs> you know, it's the same gym that's doing that. So they are clearly, they're now using a machine that is saying, but you have more body fat than is healthy for your heart. Like they're trying Mm. to, so you're saying a society that values thinness over health, but they're saying, no, we're scanning your health here, not your- Okay. So do you see what I'm saying, (laughs) Jen? Yeah. So I'm like, look, like there's a pretty big range of body fat that we could have that's healthy, right? Especially if you're a fit individual. Again, and I don't know where your listeners are from, but we've got the body positive movement. We've got the health at every size movement. We've got the, then we've got the diet world and then we've got the fitness world. And there's so many messages out there. And I feel like women are just trying to find something to attach themselves to. And I did that, right? Like I was all up in the diet world. I was all up into body shaming. Then I had a pendulum swing into, I love my body. I'm never going to change it. Um, If you talk about weight loss you're bad. If you, you know, if you're changing your eating habits, you're dieting, like it was just a total pendulum swing. And a little bit of what you're talking about, Lauren, where I didn't step on a scale for four years. And so it's like, I was just so triggered by it all. I had to be completely removed from it where now I'm in the middle where I'm like, okay, you know, and that's kind of what my whole company is based on. It's kind of like, we call it the messy middle of talking. Yeah. What is the middle? I'd love to know, like, what is the extreme side of all of this? And then the middle? Well, there's, there's absolutely, we've talked about the extreme side of diet culture, but there's absolutely an extreme movement out there to say weight loss is wrong in all contexts. Right. And, and I mean, I have experienced that as somebody who was in the body, very immersed in the body positive world in my healing process. And then I had said, I was in this online community that was just, it was so safe and lovely and healing for me until the day I mentioned that look like, because um, what happens? And so we have to understand that we have to understand that human beings are great at pendulum swings, right? So eating mm-hmm. pendulum swings, restriction, binging, restriction, binging. And then we have that, that mindset pendulum swing where it's like the restrictive mindset followed by the, you know, kind of this other mindset of like all weight loss is bad. Um, and so what happened to me in that process is when I gave up dieting, my eating habits just swung into chaos. Like many, like many people's do. This episode is brought to you by the One Strong Mama program, the game-changing prenatal and postnatal program that prepares the body for pregnancy, birth, and beyond. Based on the Body Ready Method, teaching birth and fitness pros how to assess and train prenatal clients. Go to onestrongmama.com to learn more. Only I didn't pull the pendulum back to the restriction again because I knew that wasn't the right way. I, I knew that wasn't the way forward for me to evolve as a woman, a human being, a mother, a wife. I knew that I needed to end this diet cycle and find 
some kind of middle and that wasn't going to happen through dieting. So I kind my eating habits just swung into chaos, which I think I needed. It's, you know, and we compare it now when we're talking to our clients, we talk about, it's like gasping uh, for breath after you've been underwater for a while. Like sometimes it takes some time for your eating habits to calm down after you quit dieting. But what happened for me is that um, I put on quite a bit of weight in four months because I was eating all the things and um, I felt uncomfortable. Like it was just, it was a weight that I had never been before. It was a weight I felt uncomfortable with, you know, as in tying my shoes and doing these different just mobility things. And I just, I, I intuitively felt that this is a weight that is, um, it's not healthy for me. This is too high for me. And, um, and I, but then I also felt I love my body. Like mm -hmm. I have learned to just totally love and embrace my body, but this weight is too much. And I felt lost. Like, how do I go about losing this weight now? Because all I've ever known is restriction. And when I bought that, when I brought that up in that community, like you would have think I dropped a bomb in there. And then that almost became traumatic for me to feel like my friends were turning on me. Um, I do understand it now, you know, in hindsight, I'm like, okay, you don't, don't bring up weight loss in a body positive community. That's not <laughs> what you do. That's like playing a drum in the library. Like you're just not supposed to do that. And so, um, but that was kind of the other side of, it was basically the anti, you know, anti weight loss movement is basically what it is. And I experienced that. And I just, I wanted my body to feel like it belonged to me. I, I, I wasn't trying to be a size double zero anymore. Like that was not my goal. My goal was like to feel comfortable in my body. And I also, I had no idea what that weight or size was going to be because my whole life had been about restricting and binging. And it, my whole life had been about being a double zero or a size zero to catapulting to the other end. Right. Because I was just, that's kind of how life was for me. I didn't know what, I didn't know what a healthy weight was for me that's kind of my journey back to that, which is like, look, like you think, think of how hard I worked, you know, for, for decades to be as small as I possibly could, a size that was totally unhealthy and unsustainable for me that I had to white knuckle to hang on to. And then to go like, wow, I'm, I'm about 20 to 25 pounds heavier than that at a weight that is, I, that feels healthy for me, that I can sustain, that I don't have to micromanage my eating habits every day and my exercise. It's so freeing <laughs> and it's so insane to me now that I, what I was doing to, you know, to be that small. But anyways, the weight that I have found is kind of, it's in the middle, <laughs> just as my eating habits have now stabilized. Um, but I had to exit both extremes in order to get here, right? I couldn't be in diet culture anymore. I also could not be in the body positive communities anymore. And honestly, that's not throwing shade at them. I think their existence is needed and important. And a lot of people need to be in those communities to heal. And some people will stay in those communities and that's, they get involved in the political movement. And that is really important as well. But, but I couldn't kind of get to where I needed to be in my life kind of while staying there. So, um, and there was just kind of nothing like that out there at the time. And so I created my own. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. And so working, I don't know if you work with a lot of pregnant people, but let's say you did or didn't, but mm -hmm. do you think it's the responsibility of a midwife or a doula, a yoga teacher, a trainer to say something if they suspect something like how what is our mm -hmm. role? what is the role of you know the birth professional in in all of this because it is like you said i think a lot of midwives still weigh people in and i see a lot of yeah well, they have to for you know mm -hmm. to make sure there's not edema or there's there's a medical reason to weigh a pregnant person but right i don't i've heard of people just not telling the pregnant person, you know, the size, if it doesn't really matter, they just are like, well, I'm just checking to make sure you don't have this sure huge, huge thing that I need to look into further. But yeah. I mean, I would um, say as a birth worker, if look, you have to weigh somebody just like you have to take their blood pressure, right? Like, um, you know, these are just 
these are just numbers. They're just data points. And so Lauren, you had sort of brought this up earlier and I would agree that if, if you're on the other end of the spectrum where you can't stand to see that stuff, then, then there's more work to do there, right? Like that's, that's, it's great. You're not obsessed with it anymore, but I mean, I reached a point where I didn't weigh myself for four years. And then one day I was like, you know, we were at the airport, we were weighing luggage before we were getting on a flight and my kids were kind of hopping on and off this scale and they wanted me to hop on. And I just felt so triggered, like, like, oh my gosh, I can't, I can't, I can't hold my weight. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, I'm doing this, like, what am I doing? I'm, I'm doing the same thing I was doing to them before. I'm still creating a thing around weight, yeah, right? I'm sure. just on the other end. And really where freedom lies is to be totally neutral about that stuff. Like if, 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 if size is just a number or weight is just a number, as we say, then why are we so scared to look at it? Right. And so, um, that was when I realized, whoa, you've got more work to do, right? Like, which often that's what our triggers are telling us. Hey, you got some more work to do here. Hey, red flag. I need some attention. And so that's my work deepened. And now, and now I can say weight is just a number. And that is the absolute truth to me where it wasn't really before because I was so scared of it. But what were some of the hallmarks that you in yourself, so you said you struggled during pregnancy to feel comfortable with being that big. Were there, are there specific hallmarks that like behaviors that other people could have spotted? And is it, is it our role as a birth worker to intervene or say something? Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, so I do see, so I do think, um, I don't know why birth marker, they don't need to make it about weight, right? Like, so I remember my first doctor used to update me. He'd come in the room and, and one of the first things he commented on was, oh, you, oh, you've only put on two pounds. Like, that's great. Or mm-hmm. yeah. later, oh, you put on 10 pounds since last time. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so like, it's already there. They're already, you know, so I don't think, I don't think, look, like I get that there are things you need, there are red flags. And I would just be very careful with weight, understanding that you don't know who's standing in front of you. You don't know if that pregnant woman is binging and purging at home. You don't know. And so we do need to be more sensitive. I think when it comes to weight in a perfect world, we wouldn't have to be, but the reality is we live in a world where, um, huge percentages um, of women are struggling with body image issues and disordered eating. I think there was a study done, um, in the last 10 years down in the States, blah, I want to say university of South Carolina or something like that, where, um, 80% of women in a study of 10,000 reported having disordered eating habits. Right. So we, we have to understand that this is huge, like a huge problem in our society. Um, so yeah, I think we really need to take the focus off of weight during pregnancy and postpartum and only bring it up when it's absolutely necessary. Like you are concerned that they have a, maybe they're not putting on enough weight and you're concerned that there's some, there's an eating disorder going on. Or, um, the other thing too, is to be aware of the research as a birth birth worker, right? So again, um, there's studies and I can send you guys these studies after, the uh, podcast is over and you can publish them, share them, whatever you want to do. But um, the women who are struggling with their weight the most in pregnancy actually have the most um, comprehensive dieting histories um, or have the most severe body image issues. So that's actually the people struggling with their weight. And that's not just in pregnancy. That is my experience with women Um, just in the general population, like the more severe your body image issues are, the more you struggle with your eating behaviors, which means you really struggle with weight management. You struggle to have a stable weight and just understanding that's actually what's happening with these big weight fluctuations. Right. And so I feel like us who work with in any capacity in health are at risk Mm-hmm. for falling prey to, without even knowing we do it, to diet culture, fat shaming, mm-hmm. valuing thinness over health. Like all of us can fall, can fall prey to it because we're so conditioned. Are there specific ways to start repatterning how we think about it so that when we are talking to our clients, we are 
coming from a really neutral space? I think um, if you look up weight inclusive healthcare, okay. um, you'll start to find resources, ways of talking to people, ways of setting up your office. You know, it, it can get very detailed. Um, and this, yeah, this absolutely has to come from the top, from healthcare workers. I also think every healthcare worker should have a strong referral network. And um, so, like, I would love to see body image experts, therapists more involved in the prenatal process. Um, so whether a woman's taking a prenatal class or um, even, you know, hypnobirthing as Lindsay does, um, incorporating, if you have speakers come in, just incorporate that stuff too. And, and really understanding like body image issues is also one of the, the biggest risk factors for suffering from postpartum depression, right? So, you know, if we care about our clients health holistically then this is a big area where we can really help them and really help them transition into motherhood just so much more gently and with more grace and compassion for oneself right like that's what i want that's what i want for women <laughs> you know? yeah i mean so when i i when you said that it made me think every childbirth ed series has a nutrition component so, mm. and a lot of that I do find is just, you know, eat this much pro protein, mm. only eat these fishes, like that, these fishes, whatever, <laughs> these fish. <laughs> but, you know, it's like, um, that would be the perfect opportunity to just bring mm. up a conversation about healthy habits. Yeah. And I, and that's, I mean, that's what we do. And we talk, um, we talk about like your emotional and mental wellness, your social wellness is as important to your health as your nutrition, right? Like nutrition is a component of your wellness, but we are so much more than that, right? Like, how are you sleeping? Absolutely. Have you connected with other people in your community this week? You know, like, are you getting fresh air and sunshine? Are you moving your body? Like, you know, it's just really expanding this definition of health. And, you know, instead of having people, you know, like nutrition guidelines, okay. Like, but in my experience, of course, there's things that we need to talk about in pregnancy that are a bit higher risk for women. But in my experience, most women, you take them to a grocery store and, and people know how to choose healthy foods. Like that is not the problem in our society. You know, the problem is that we've taken that to the extreme and, and people don't know balance anymore. They're, they're all or nothing. And they're, they're all in on an organic salad with no dressing or they're, you know, or they're like, again, face first into a tray of brownies. Like there's just no, nobody knows how to do the middle anymore. Um, cause they're just so messed up when it comes to, to food and their bodies. And so, yeah, I totally think we need more body image, um, education incorporated. Yeah. Prenatal. Great. But let's take it to the to the elementary curriculum. Let's take it to the high schools. Like this is, this is a huge problem. And you know, there's one locally, I've been talking to a therapist here locally about us putting together a program for the schools here because um, there's a saying that when you are having to pull people out of a river from drowning, eventually you need want to walk upstream and see who's pushing them in. And like this stuff happens long before they're pregnant, right? Like oh, for sure. It's just when they become pregnant, it's just exasperated. It, it's it's like then the hysteria starts and then of course there's a whole industry within the diet industry that targets pregnant and postpartum women um i read a study a couple years ago that said something like 80 percent of advertising in pregnancy magazines is weight loss related well even even in our you know diastasis recti and all of the stuff that we work with there is so much stuff you know the before and afters if you do my program your belly will look flat six weeks after right. your birth. Yeah. Or oh, yeah. I've seen someone say, if you do this certain belly move, you won't get stretch marks because your belly will grow slower. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking- Isn't that nice? Yeah. I mean, come on. It's, but what it's kind a moneymaker. Yeah. And that's just this message, right? Taking advantage of the fears, right? Like I knew, I knew years before I got pregnant even that stretch marks were the worst thing ever. Like I'd heard enough people talk about it. And even marketing a product that way, Oh, by the way, did you know those are terrible? So here's a product so you don't have to get them. And I mean, I had a moment where I was sitting with a friend who had just had a baby. She'd had an emergency C-section. It was super traumatic. 
I'd gone over to visit her, we're visiting. And I asked her about her scar. And, and my reason for asking was, hey, how are you healing? You know, it was very, you know, health, that question. But she's a woman with programming and conditioning. And she thought I meant, how's your scar look? You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And she was like, so she immediately kind of pulls her pants away, says, oh, it's fine. I don't think you'll even be able to see it when I have a bikini on. But I am just so, you know what? I'm so glad I didn't get stretch marks. That was the one thing that I didn't want was stretch marks. Mm. And I was like standing there, like my face just went beet red. Like I, and I was just like, blah, because you know, here I am. I have tons too. And it's still full of stretch marks. And it's, it's like, yeah, I mean, it, it's just, it's, I mean, today, if that happened to me today, I would, I could clearly go, okay, that's her issues. I do. I wouldn't take that on as my own, but back then I was just, I was devastated that she said that to me. And, um, but to, to go, to have somebody ask you a question like that, and then you immediately for your head to go, well, no, when I'm in a bikini, nobody will even know. Like, do you know what I mean? Like that just shows how far gone women are right? So how do you respond though in a way, like, do you feel like it's your calling or your duty to respond in a way that is educational? My friend recently saw me and was like, oh, you look so skinny. And I hate that. I hate mm. when people comment on, like no one ever says, oh, you look so fat. Everyone comments mm. when you've lost weight. And I just said, mm. I said, that's a fat shaming comment, by the way, because I didn't even mm. know... I was so triggered that I didn't know how to respond effectively. And she was like, what do you mean? I'm saying you look good. And I was like, it's weird though. But then I couldn't yeah. find the words to describe. Well, because I was, so what, what do you say in a way that's like, I'm going to meet you where you're at, but I'd love to educate you that there's a different way to think about this. So for me, that really depends. And it really depends on my, who my audience is, because I have learned over the years to conserve my energy. Mm -hmm. And, and it's not, not everyone is open to hearing what I have to say. So, but I would certainly set a boundary in that situation. Like that's my body. Like, you know, that feels to me, that feels intrusive to have somebody comment on the size of my body or, and, and, you know, again, like, I don't want to put words in anyone's mouth. What I should say is Lauren, if that felt intrusive for you, then certainly set a boundary and it can just it can just be simple like hey you know what i would appreciate if you wouldn't comment about my body and then if she's so a good don't friend, make it a say, teachable moment depends Unless, on if it's like your friend yes, or if it's totally like totally depends right like if i was having a heart i would say hey can i talk to you about something it makes me super uncomfortable when you comment on my body here's why and, you know, I find that my story is probably the mo my most powerful teaching tool. And I do think our stories are because as I, you know, when I started this, I was tell, I was saying, um, I don't think my experience is, you I don't think my experience is unique. I think it's universal, unfortunately. And when women start opening up about their stories, you, other women start seeing themselves in it and that's, and then we can start healing together. So right. what's the balance here? So mm. when we're talking about loving and accepting ourselves, then we sometimes think that means, you know, if I go and dye my hair or I want to get a tattoo or I want Botox or whatever people do, how do we love ourselves and also change things if we want to mm. like that? that That's such a good question. Yeah. And I guess um, I identify as a feminist and just a pillar of feminism is body autonomy. And so, you know, it's not up to me to decide what women do with their bodies, right? Even dieting, like I can't, when I was first kind of in this world, you know, when my pendulum had swung, a friend of mine announced that she was going to be taking part in a bodybuilding competition in nine months. And she was starting training and dieting. And, and like, I was so triggered, so triggered. And I felt like I needed to save her. <laughs> Where now, Jen, I, do you remember when you did something? Do you remember when I announced on Facebook? Oh, like, your whole 30 diet? Yes. Like five years ago, it was literally the only diet. I was probably really triggered. <laughs> oh yeah. And it was literally probably the only time I, I did it for two days. Mm. Real. Cause I just couldn't. Cause couldn't, it was just it so wasn't sustainable. Surprise, it, surprise. Yeah, yeah. It was just so restrictive. I was like, no, I just, I don't want to look at my ketchup and see 
that there's a little bit of sugar and freak out. I just couldn't do it. But I remember I posted like, who wants to do it with me? And you're like, uh, Lindsay, <laughs> you know what? I, I, I think I, I think I am most triggered when I see fitness professionals oh, yes. doing stuff. And it's just because I feel like we have a duty of responsibility, totally. but so many fitness professionals are just not, they're just so in the world themselves. And I think um, also that we, you know, I was really ashamed that I got a lot of stretch marks on my belly because mm. as a fitness professional, sometimes we're judged. People be like, well, what did she do wrong? Why does she have stretch marks? I don't want to follow her because mm -hmm. she doesn't look totally. the way mm -hmm. I want to look. So it can be really, and I think I was in that place when I first had babies too, that my like the rest of me, you know, I would get all the comments when I would go places like, oh, you bounce back so quick. You look amazing, blah, blah, mm. blah. But it was all covered by my shirt, you know, right, right. Top. Yeah. And I mean, that's a really good point. And it's kind of why the body positive movement needs to exist too, because you see like there, there truly are financial and economic penalties to women becoming mothers. Yeah. Right. And so, um, it's, and it just shows like how truly obsessed our society is with women's bodies. When we, when we don't fit into the mold anymore, we actually are afraid of penalties, right? And what we do to fit into the mold constantly. And then what we'll do, which is just so, you know, brutal for our physical health, emotional health, um, social health, like, yeah. So, I mean, I think that's when I was most triggered. Now I wouldn't say anything again. I've learned, I've learned really strong boundaries with like, what is mine? What is theirs? And like, I don't have to save everybody. Um, but again, back to the conversation is it, it honestly really depends who is in front of me. And the great thing is that I now have this company and I write about this stuff all the time. I speak about it all the time people around me know what I stand for. If it was a stranger on the street, you know, I would just, I, I would not play into the body shaming. One of my favorite sayings is, you know what? I think your body is the least interesting thing about you mm -hmm. because I just, you know what, if, if I never see that person again and they move on in their life and they start on the similar journey to mine, I hope they'll remember. They, I hope that I will be remembered as somebody who, offered a glimmer of light because I know that's a very dark place to be. Um, I want to be that person. And so that's what I do, <laughs> but everybody has to decide what's right for them. So you were saying though, and we will wrap it up momentarily, but you were saying about being a feminist and one of the mm. pillars is body autonomy. Mm. I feel like we didn't quite wrap up that question. Oh yeah, for wanted, sure. Yeah. I just wanted to kind of where is that balance? Somebody can somebody love themselves and accept themselves and not be swayed by, I yes. don't know how we should look and then mm -hmm. go get Botox. Um, so I always say it's not about the what that we do. It's about the why behind it. Right. So an example of that might be weight loss. There was a time when my, my weight loss um, behaviors were driven by self-hate and self-loathing. And then as I shared, there came another time where I was like, okay, I totally love and accept myself, but I feel really uncomfortable in this body. Um, and then the steps I took to lose weight were rooted in love and acceptance, which led me to healthy habits rather than unhealthy ones. Um, whether a woman, when, you know, it's like you put on makeup in the morning and that it could be your, your way of, um, self-expression. And I totally love and accept that about every woman. I also would suggest that people, if they want to know where they lay on that scale, where they're like, well, why do I put on makeup in the morning? Why do I get Botox? Why, why do I do these things? I would just um, encourage you to explore not doing those things. Like what happens when you do go do the school run without makeup on? Do you feel like you're going to die? Like, you know, so, <laughs> and just to really explore the other side. Like what if I, what if there was a worldwide shortage of Botox and it was gone for the next three years. Like, how would I feel? Do I, do I feel like, oh my gosh, like everyone's going to find out who I really am under here. Right. And so that's, or are you like, eh, yeah, like that'd be fine. Or if I had to show up somewhere without makeup, eh, yeah, 
that'd be fine. And because I mean, those are, this is just about self-exploration and, and I accept all women for who they are, whether it's like, and wherever they're at in their journey, if their, if their journey to self-acceptance is, you know, I was talking to my friend who's a therapist the other day, I was on her podcast recently actually too. And she, she was talking about her own pendulum swing of going like, she was like hyper feminine and then realized that she'd really just bought into this conditioning. Her pendulum swung to just no feminine at all. And then realizing actually I am a feminine person and that's part of my identity. And I, I do like wearing some makeup sometimes and I like wearing flowery dresses. And, and so then her pendulum kind of came back, but, and she looks a bit the same as she used to, but it's the why is different. It feels like, no, this is who I am, not this is who I'm trying to be. And I would just have people explore that. Like we, you know, the worst thing ever is I sent, I sent a woman to a body image therapist several years ago. I just felt her body image issues were beyond coaching. It wasn't a body image coaching scenario. It was like, you've got some healing to do. You need a therapist. So this particular woman wanted, she desired a tummy tuck. Now she'd had three kids. She'd lost quite a bit of weight and she wanted a tummy tuck. And I sent her to a therapist that I now regret that person had their own stuff, obviously, because the therapist ended up telling her basically around this tummy tuck issue, your thoughts are not your own. You want to get a tummy tuck because of the diet industry. And if you move forward with the tummy tuck, it's because you hate yourself. Nice. Yes. And this woman came back to me and here I referred her <laughs> like I'm, and she comes back to me. She phones me. She's bawling. She tells me what happened. I'm, I feel sick about it. And then I remember her saying to me, I just want to feel like my body belongs to me. And like, I started crying when she said that. And so, um, and so I am just like, I am an, a warrior for women's rights and body autonomy and what they need to do for their bodies to, be, to feel like they belong to them. Right. And, and that might look different than what I would personally decide to do, but I have no right to judge anybody else. But I do think these questions are important and we should be asking ourselves that right all like why am I doing this you know because we do have so much conditioning there but look at me I got black eyeliner on like crazy today <laughs> and so <laughs> it's like I just kind of felt like it I just kind of felt like throwing on some eyeliner today and here's the other thing women don't need any more judgment right like it's just like our whole life is just judge 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 and we judge ourselves and it's so much and like we don't need any more of that I couldn't and, agree more with you we just need, we're all on our own journeys here and we all need to figure out what's right for us and understand that that changes, right? What's right for us in different seasons of our lives may change. Absolutely. I had a very similar story where I had a client who wanted a tummy tuck and I'm like you, I'm like, get whatever you need, but just understand where is that pull coming from? And so she wanted a tummy tuck and I said, that's fine, but why don't you do some core rehab for a year just so your body's really ready for that? Mm. And she did and she did the tummy tuck. And after she just said, you know, that year of rehab was also a year of really learning to love myself. Oh, and even I though I that. did the tummy tuck, I'm a different person now because I spent a year really learning. So I'm a different, like had I done it a year ago, I was coming at it from the wrong place. Now mm -hmm. I'm coming at it That's just good. really in love with myself. And I think that is so important. Like, I love how you describe that too. Cause I just think you can have both. They don't have, have to both, be, right? they don't have to live in separate boats, you know? They, yeah. I mean, I, I don't necessarily, I don't feel the need to have a tummy tuck myself, but if I were ever to approach one, I know that nothing changed. Like I'm so neutral about my body that on the other side, it wouldn't make me more lovable. It wouldn't be, make me feel more worthy of belonging, right? Like, let's get some Brene Brown in here. <laughs> and it's like, that really to me is key. If like you are making some change to your body and that's, it's rooted in shame or rooted in like, I am more worthy on the other side. That's where I think we have some work to do. But you know, I've seen now that I've been doing this work for so many years, it's like, we've got women who they might have lost quite a bit of weight or they, you know, or they have done some kind of evolution, but they're, they're just like, I love that woman. I was 50 pounds ago. I love her. And I love me now. Nothing has changed. I'm just, mm -hmm. I'm maybe in a smaller body. We also see the reverse. We see women who come to us and 
their healthy medium ends up being heavier than they were. And they're like, and they just learn to love and accept this, right? Um, because the women I work with are learning that what feels healthy is healthy, right? Totally. And my last question to you, and then I want you to plug the sure. F out of yourself. <laughs> my last question is that, and I find this in the work that Lindsay and I do too, is that are we ever, because you said you feel very neutral about it, but and I don't want to be your devil's advocate, but I'm, we're all always still on this journey. Like we're not always totally neutral about it. Do you know what I mean? Or are yeah. we like when you say, I mean, cause I try not to make, I personally, and I know Lindsay too, is like, uh, well, I mean, you can be functional and still pull your back out. And then are you like, you know, saying to yourself like, oh, I'm such a mess, you know? So those yeah. of us who have done a lot of work on ourselves, whatever way, rehab, physical, we're still doing the work. I mean, you, you're neutral and you seem to have an amazing relationship with your body and your eating, but are you always neutral? And when, and if not, which I'm mm. hoping you're not perfect. So I'm hoping <laughs> yeah, no, so, um, fall down, like you have these non-neutral <laughs> moments and what yeah. do you tell yourself in the moment? Like what is, yeah. What do you tell like yourself when you're in the triggered? Moment? Like when yeah. somebody yeah. that you think is so beautiful and you're like, Oh, I wish I looked like, you know, we all have. Yeah. I mean, um, again, it's a trigger. So it's sort of exposing something, you know, that I, there's some work to do there, something to stop or a point where I can sit for a second and be sad or feel some grief mm-hmm. over the ideas that were given to me as a child, probably that I still hold on to, to some degree. An example of this is I got out of the shower the other day. It was a couple months ago now, before Christmas actually. And um, I was not loving my body that day. I was I was just struggling mm-hmm. and it kind of came out of nowhere for me. And put a towel on, I went and sat on the edge of my bed and I just started crying thinking like, oh man, I've done all this work. I've got this company and this is how I'm feeling today. You know, going, will this ever end? And my husband came in the room and he saw me crying. He asks me what's wrong. And I said, I'm just really struggling with the way my body looks today. And he starts up, I don't know why you say that. I love your body. You're so beautiful. And I had to stop him. And I said, it's not about that. It's I'm struggling with the belief today that that's not all that I am. And so I do have days like that. And and it comes down to me, you know, if you go back 10 years, when I had days like that, I felt my body was all that I was and all I had to offer the world. And so those days would destroy me. But now I see them for what they are and they're just bad body image days. I can separate the feelings from the person. And I can move on with my day and I can sit with those uncomfortable feelings. I can exist alongside those uncomfortable feelings, which is a really important skill and step towards resilience that a lot of women need to, to conquer their body image issues, right? Is just to be able to sit in that discomfort and, and say, and identify it as a bad body image day. They are not a bad person and they do not have a bad body. And they don't need to fix any feeling, right? Right. Like it's okay to have that. You don't need to make it go away. You can sit with it. Just sit with it. Yes. That's great. I love that. Thank you. Will you tell us more about like (laughs) what you offer? What like, what can we buy from you? Well, I run a program uh, called Bounce 365. We tell women we help them find their ideal body weight without dieting or destroying their relationship with food. And it's a habits or you could say behavior change based program, helping people find a balanced way of eating, moving, uh, sleeping, (laughs) all those good lifestyle, wellness habits, stress management that feels healthy and sustainable for them and is rooted in self-compassion and grace and self-kindness. And they can find us at balance365life.com or they can find us on Instagram and Facebook at balance365life. And yeah, that's what we do. Amazing. So awesome. You're such a, you're such a gift. Oh, thank you. You guys are a gift. (laughs) You guys are a gift. So good. And I, I, like I said, after I listened to your podcast a few weeks ago in preparation for talking to you, I was catching myself quite a bit throughout like the next weeks wondering like is that a healthy thought you just had (laughs) 
Mm. <laughs> it got a little yes. crazy. I was like, oh, I mean, was that a healthy thought? Yeah, that's but... the whole analysis or paralysis yeah, by analysis. Anal- yeah. But like, uh-huh. yeah, that's so funny. But it's so great. I'm glad that that, I'm glad I was able to get you thinking. That's I all think I we want all to do for women. Yeah, yeah I think do. it's so important. So thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for having me. Thank you all for listening to the One Strong Mama podcast for birth professionals. If you haven't already, please leave us a rating and a review. We really do appreciate all of the support. If you are a birth worker with an inspiring client, or if you have a birth pro in mind that we should definitely chat with, please email us at podcast at onestrongmama.com. Also, make sure to follow us on Instagram at One Strong Mama Prenatal for tips for all stages of pregnancy. And definitely join in on the discussion in the One Strong Mama Facebook community group. See you here next time. This episode is brought to you by the One Strong Mama program, the game-changing prenatal and postnatal program that prepares the body for pregnancy, birth, and beyond. Based on the Body Ready Method, teaching birth and fitness pros how to assess and train prenatal clients. Go to onestrongmama.com to learn more.